Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Come on, we're going to get into the Word today. Uh, I have a message for you. We're going to start a new series, um, and it's called The Unstoppable Church. And we're going to spend eight to nine weeks talking about the Unstoppable Church. And today what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay a bit of a foundation for this uh, summer series as we look at uh, the church in the book of Acts. We're going to walk through the book of Acts together and, and just see some exciting endeavors and some exciting things that happened in the church uh, many years ago. How many of you have ever been a part of something so genuine, so tangible, and so life-changing that it changed and altered the course of the rest of your life. That's what happened 2,000 years ago to a bunch of people who gathered in Jerusalem on what the Bible calls the Day of Pentecost. And God came down and he ministered through regular people and he ministered to uh, all the nations that were represented in one place and 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. And that day, the church started. The church is called the Ecclesia. Say Ecclesia. Ecclesia. Try it again. Come on, say it with some Greek passion. Ecclesia. Ecclesia, Ecclesia is basically, the, the word Ecclesia is the, is the Greek word for church. It's used 119 times in the New Testament, 119 times, and 90 or so of those times it was used to describe a group of people that were called out of their homes to a public place to gather together. Almost 92 times it was used in the context of people who were sent by God, called by God, gave their lives to God, gathered together in a local public place to worship Jesus and to be together. That's what the ecclesia is. The remaining uses of the, the, that word ecclesia are, the, are used to define the, 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 the bigger church or the church of people who maybe passed away, but the, the more universal church. And so today and for this next uh, eight, nine weeks, we're going to be talking about the ecclesia, the, those who were called out, you and me, out of our homes, out of our places, out of our lives, out of our old way of life to a new way of life to gather together to celebrate the name of Jesus Christ, to do life together and to reach as many people as we can for the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, I don't know about you, but many of you probably had an experience with churches in your, in your past, and maybe you're here today and you're new to church, never been to church, maybe you're watching online and you say, I've never been to church, and you say, so I have no experience, but hopefully you never have these. But many people have here today been, had an encounter with maybe the Catholic church or a church when you grew up or a church where you came from, and, and maybe you've had a bad experience. Maybe the church was focused on the wrong thing. Maybe it's too over-focused on money or buildings or fame or fortune for the pastor. You know, maybe it was, uh, there was a moral failure or maybe there was cor corruption in the church or maybe it was just not focused on the right things or maybe they just was a church that you got hurt in, the pastor hurt you or you got hurt by another follower of Jesus or someone else in the church. Every one of us here today who would call ourselves followers of Jesus, have been followers of Jesus for some time, would probably have some sort of a story where I was a part of the church or a church and something happened to me or something, was, was something impacted me and it kind of made me stray away or maybe it kind of tainted my perspective of the church. Now, i got to start this entire series by letting you know today that, that the church of Jesus Christ is God's idea. It's absolutely God's idea. And the issue with church is not God nor God's church. The issue is, is a bunch, it's full of a bunch of people. Regular old, carnal people, just like you and just like me. 
And those people are forgiven, but they sometimes they make mistakes. And they're redeemed, but sometimes they say things they shouldn't. And, and, and they're, they're, they're bought by the blood of Jesus, but sometimes they give in to their sinful nature. And so whether you've experienced a good thing at the church or a bad thing at the church, or maybe it's your first day at the church, whatever your experience is, I'm here to tell you today that the, lo- the local church, the church of Jesus Christ, is God's idea, and it is unstoppable, and it will prevail. And today what I'm going to share with you is three very simple things from a scripture that will help define for you and for me things that we must focus on, put our attention on in order to continue to be an unstoppable force and an unstoppable church in the world today. Now, a lot of churches today might feel a little bit lifeless, a little bit powerless, a little bit kind of dead inside, a little bit like, man, I feel like I'm just checking in and checking out like at the old factory, chick, 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 every single week, and there's not really much motivation, not really much movement. It kind of feels dead inside. Now, I don't know if you feel that way today, but I'm telling you today, God is up to something in our church, and we are an unstoppable church, an unstoppable force, but there's some things that you and I have to commit to that we learn in this scripture in order to be the unstoppable church that God has called us to be. And so we're going to look at a scripture here today in Ephesians chapter chapter 3. Now, it's going to be on the screen behind me. Now, I, I, I'm going to start using a big monitor here because I like to be able to read it from the screen. But I created this for that big monitor. That's why the words are so massive. <laughs> it's not because I think you have bad eyesight, but it's because I prepared it for a different screen. But at least you can read it. Okay? That's good. Okay, Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 6, and it says this, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body, and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving Him by spreading this this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, has kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm, in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. And because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So from this verse today, I'm going to give you three observations that Paul gave in this verse that will help you and I understand what we need to continue to be in order to remain the unstoppable church that God has called us to be. First one is this. The church is unstoppable when it is for everyone. The church is unstoppable when it is for everyone. Now, you have to understand the context of this verse. When when Jesus came to the earth and he was with his disciples, the 12 disciples were all Jewish. The message that Jesus shared was predominantly for the Jewish people. When, When God called this special nation, the Jewish nation called the Israelites, he called them out of Egypt. He saved them from Egypt because they were in slavery. He pulled them out of Egypt. He brought them into the, into the desert, into the promised land. Those were God's chosen select people. But as we come into the New Testament, as we come into when Jesus walked on the earth, we find that all of the different Jewish individuals there in, in, that, in that day, most of them believed in God and most of them believed in the, the Old Testament. 
Testament, the Torah, but most of them did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So today, unless you have a Jewish descent in your bloodstream, you are a Gentile. Point to yourself and you say, I'm a Gentile. Come on, I'm a Gentile. Unless you're a Jew, you're a Gentile. Pardon my spitting. That's good you're not here. That would be COVID fear. <laughs> just kidding. It's just my wife. We're, what's it called? Cohorts. So I can spit on you all I want. <laughs> not that I do that. So you and I are Gentiles. And in the scripture, when Jesus came to the earth, he began to teach this message. Gentiles in the New Testament were considered dogs in the eyes of Jews. There was many scriptures where Jesus would talk to Gentiles and the disciples would see Jesus talking with a Samaritan or a Jew and say to them, why are you talking to these dogs? Why are you talking to these people? They are the outsiders. They don't deserve to hear this message. This is not reserved for them. This is only reserved for the spiritually elite. This is only reserved for the Israelites. This is only reserved for the Jew. If we're not careful, we'll build a church that's only about a certain amount of people who are spiritual enough and good looking enough and play the right part and talk the right part and look the right part when in reality the gospel of Jesus Christ and the church is for everyone not just people who look like they got it all together not just for the Jew but it's also for the Gentile for you and for me the church of Jesus Christ is unstoppable because it is for everyone for every race for male and female for young and old in their world today, we experience a lot of bigotry going on in the United States and Canada with all the different stuff going on. We look at it, we think, man, what's the answer? The answer is that the unstoppable church will be the answer for our society because Jesus Christ and the church of Jesus Christ is not biased. It's not hypocritical. It is for everyone. The doors are open for everyone to accept, for everyone to be a part of the very saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's reserved for everyone. As long as you accept Jesus Christ into your heart and you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, you can be a part of the house of God. You can be a part of the ecclesia. You can be a part of the church. It is not just for those who've got their act together. It's not just for those who do the right things. It's not just for those who read their Bible. It's not just for those who go to church every week and give their tithe. It is for everybody. Everyone. Can I hear an amen? amen? Come on, can I hear an amen? amen? For everyone. Look at this scripture in uh, Ephesians 2.19. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. The kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. With as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all irrespective of how we got here and what he's building. Look at this scripture in Revelations. I love this verse. John saw this picture of the end times. And look what he said. He saw a picture of when this whole thing ends and closes up. John saw this revelation of Jesus. And this is what it says. Jesus said this to him. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and every tribe and every people and every language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. And they were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. The church of Jesus Christ is for every single person. It is not reserved for those who are better than other people. It is for everyone. Maybe you're watching today, maybe you're here today and say, ain't for me, I've done too much, or ain't for me, I don't come from the same church line, or ain't for me, ain't for me. Listen, it's for you. 
Because Jesus Christ died for everyone. Jesus died for all mankind. Jesus died for every people group. Jesus died, and I want our church to be filled with all races and all, all, all kinds and all tribes, male, female, old and young. Amen? Amen. Come on, this, the unstoppable church is for everyone. Here's the second one. The church is unstoppable when it is simply and only about Jesus. Ephesians 3.10 says this, our key text. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. The NIV uses the phrase that he says that God's purpose was for the church to display the manifold wisdom of God. That word manifold means multicolored multi-variations, multifaceted. It's this idea of so the, the, the beauty and the, the, the colors are so complex and so deep and so real that I can't even really fathom it. I, I try to explain to people the Amalfi Coast. My wife and I have been the, literally a bunch of times and the Amalfi Coast when I climbed up the 350 uh, rock stairs by a donkey carrying my stuff and I get up there in the vineyards and the lemon trees and the olive groves and the beautiful ocean with the side of the hill and I take a picture of it and show it to you and I say the picture cannot even begin to grasp for you how beautiful the Amalfi Coast is. I can't even begin to utter enough words to define the beautiful it is for you to understand and in the same way this manifold wisdom this colorful idea of God this complex reality of God that, that, that no one really understands because of its depths and its beauty it's beyond your understanding and my understanding you say Ryan what is this colorful multifaceted manifold wisdom of God that he kept hidden from the very foundation of the world God kept this hidden and now he wants to reveal through you and through me his church what is this manifold wisdom of God? Very simply, his name is Jesus. It's very easy for church in our life to make our lives about something other than Jesus. And I'm here to tell you today that no matter your, your desires and your wants and your ambitions and your life and your, 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 your investments and your future, all of those things God cares for. But I want to tell you today that if Jesus Christ is not the centerpiece and the focus of your life, every ma a human endeavor will end in a dead end and you will be left in a place in your life where you are broken and there's a, a dryness and you feel lost and you feel hurting and every single time you get there, you feel broken and what do you do? You come back to God or you come back to his house or you come back to his church or you say, God, I need you in my life. I feel so dry, I feel so broken and then little by little, our aim goes back to our own life. And we have to make a decision that if we're going to be an unstoppable church and we're going to be unstoppable as followers of Jesus Christ, Jesus has to be the front and center priority of your life and this church's life. It simply has to be about and only about Jesus. Look at the scripture in 1 Corinthians 1.19. So where can you find someone truly wise, truly educated, truly intelligent in, the day, in this day and age? Hasn't God exposed it all as pretentious nonsense? Since the world and all its fancy wisdom never had a clue when it came to knowing God, God and his wisdom took delight in using what the world considered dumb, preaching of all things, to bring those who trust in him to the way of salvation. 
While Jews clamor, listen, while Jews clamor for miraculous demonstrations to prove there's a God. So these people, I need you to prove it to me by a miracle. And when Greeks here, it says, and when the Greeks go into philosophical wisdom to prove that there's a God, I need you to prove it to me through true, through, through facts and through science. So prove it to me by an act of God and prove it to me by facts and relevance. Look what, look what he says here. While Jews clamor for miraculous demonstrations and Greeks go in for philosophical wisdom, we go right on proclaiming Christ, the crucified. Jews treat this like an anti-miracle, and Greeks pass it off as absurd. But to us who are personally called by God himself, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's ultimate miracle and wisdom all wrapped up in one. Human wisdom is so tiny and so impotent next to the seeming absurdity of God. Human strength can't begin to compete with God's weakness. You have to understand something, that this was God's eternal purpose to send his son, a perfect sinless sacrifice, to die on a cross for your sin because you and I deserve death. And so the only way for you and I to not spend an eternity without God is for God to send his one and only son to earth, the perfect human and he was 100% God and 100% human and he was crucified and he was buried and he rose on the third day. That was God's miraculous manifold wisdom that the world looks at and thinks, that's a stupid message. That's moronic. That's absurd. Come on, prove it to me through a miracle. Prove it to me through facts. Prove it to me through science. And Paul here says, no, no, no. I'm just going to keep making it about Jesus and Jesus crucified. He died cross. He rose on the third day. That's the message of Jesus. It seems ridiculous. It seems moronic, but it is the power for salvation in your life. And so we got to keep this about Jesus and about Jesus alone. Now here's the danger. What happens is here's the catch in all of this. This is where things can go sideways. As I mentioned before, if we are not careful, if you are not actively working towards this in your life, your life will become about you and become about me and become about our agenda and our way, and it will no longer be about Jesus. And when your life is not about Jesus, I'm here to tell you with all the pastoral love and heart I can say to you today, if your life is not focused on Jesus, it will end in a dead end. It'll end in spiritual death. It'll end in you feeling lost and broken. And Jesus is there every single time to pick you up like a loving mother, like a loving brother, to pick you up by your shoulders and put his arm around you and say, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. I'm here to protect you and redeem you and transform you. But I want you to know today that you can give your life to him right now and say, all right, Jesus, I'm not going to pursue my own endeavor anymore. I'm going to pursue you. And the Bible says that if you seek first God and his kingdom, all of these things will be added unto you. If you just make Jesus first, I promise you this, he will add everything to your life that you need. The unstoppable church makes it simply about Jesus. Here's the third thing. The church, and the last thing here this morning, the church is unstoppable when it is built by regular, broken people. The church is unstoppable when it is built by regular, broken people. Now, when I was reading this verse, something struck me so fascinating in this verse, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. Look what it says. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety. Look at this. To all the unseen rulers 
and authorities in the heavenly realms. The unseen. I found that very fascinating here that in this verse, God's purpose was to use the church to display Jesus, to display his manifold wisdom to the unseen world. Paul, you're saying that there is a supernatural world, a supernatural realm where there are angelic beings and there are, as we call them, demonic beings. The demonic beings are those who, when God created the heavens and the earth, and, or he, the, 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 he created Satan, he created the angels, and a third of the angels chose to follow the devil when he wanted to be like God. And so now we have a devil, and we have his demons, and we've got the angels in heaven. All of these heavenly realms, all of these angels, all of these demons, all of these celestial beings were all created by God. Now listen, these angels... And these demons and this devil that we're so afraid of was a created being by God. None of them are omnipotent. None of them are all-knowing. None of them know the end from the beginning. None of them know what's going to happen next. They're figuring out just as we go. God is the only one who knows the plan. In fact, when they asked Jesus about the end time in Acts chapter 1, Jesus, how is this whole thing going to end up? Jesus said to his disciples, only the Father knows that. So here Paul's saying that all of these angelic and demonic beings, Satan himself, have no idea what's going on and God wants to use you to make it plain to them what the plan of God is. Imagine this for a minute. All the angels standing around. I don't know about you. If you've ever seen an angel. I sure haven't. But I do read about it in the Bible. When an angel shows up, what, do they, what does the angel say? Fear not! This massive angel walks in the room, let's just imagine. I don't know, he's 10 foot tall, or maybe he's got a wingspan of 50 feet. I don't know. And he comes in, he's like, hello. And you're like, whoa, my gosh, this thing's huge. Don't be afraid. I'm okay, I'm your friend. So here we see these angels cast fear. These are mighty angelic beings. I've never, again, seen an angel, but I imagine they're massive and big and beautiful because they're created by God. But these massive angelic beings were one day looking down when Jesus Christ was being crucified on the cross, and they said to themselves, what's going on? Well, this wasn't in the plan. I mean, I know Jesus talked about it, but is he really going to die? Did God really say, like, what's happening? And when Jesus rose from the dead, they probably rejoiced and said, oh, that's a good ending. Yes, this is awesome. The demonic forces were afraid and they thought, no way, this is impossible. They're figuring it out as they go. And the angels are standing around one day. Can you imagine? God comes up to them and says, hey guys, guess what? I'm going to show you how unstoppable my church is going to be. I'm going to show you how powerful I am. I'm going to show you how mighty I am. I'm going to show you how big I am. I'm going to show you how I'm a creator God. I'm going to show you how big I am. Guess what? I am going to use regular, broken, old donkeys to carry my glory. I'm going to use regular, old, broken, sinful people to carry my glory and to share about me and to make the manifold wisdom of God, Jesus Christ, known to all nations, to all tribes across the world. I'm going to use pathetic, ridiculous people who can't seem to get their act together only by God's grace. I'm going to use people who sometimes got marriage problems. I'm going to use people who sometimes they curse. I'm going to use, I'm going to use people sometimes they got bad attitudes. I'm going to use people sometimes they just don't see things clearly. I'm going to use people sometimes that make bad choices and make mistakes and fall short and screw up. I'm going to use those type of people to prove to you that I'm an unstoppable God building an unstoppable church and I'm using broken regular people to do it. The story back in Matthew where Jesus was going to come into Jerusalem, it was called Palm Sunday. 
And on Palm Sunday, they would lay branches down in front of Jesus, and he would come in to Jerusalem. They would say, blessed is the name of the Lord, Hosanna, Hosanna. And before this happened, Jesus sent his disciples into the city. And he said, go into the city, and I want you to go in, and I want you to go get a donkey. This colt, this donkey had never been ridden before. So they're like, okay. So here they got this donkey. They don't know what he's going to do with it, going to put his water on it, going to put his stuff on it. And here Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the perfect one, the holy one, he was there at creation in the beginning, and he'll be there at the end. He was the God that came to the earth and died. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the universe, the one who created you today, got on a donkey as he came into Jerusalem. He, did. he chose a little stinking donkey. A stubborn workhorse. And here's the donkey coming into this town. Imagine for a moment in Jerusalem, all these people are laying down these branches, shouting and screaming, excited. And this donkey's thinking, heck yeah, what's going on? These people are like, what did I do? Is it my smell? Is it my hair? Like, no one's ever talked to me like this before. No one's ever treated me like this before. They're coming in. He's like, come on. He's doing his little thing, coming in. And little does he know that the king of glory is resting on his shoulders, that he's been chosen to carry the very power of God, to brush her in the kingdom of God. And you're just like that donkey. <laughs> no offense. I'm just like that donkey. I don't get things right. And I fall short. And I make mistakes. And I've got to ask for repentance. Basically every minute of the day. I've made mistakes in my life. And I've fallen short. And I've gotten close to my marriage. And making some significant enough mistakes where it wasn't going to work out. And I haven't been the best father at times. And man, as a pastor, I've made some real mistakes. And said the wrong things. And been the poor to people at times. And I've held grudges. And I sometimes I have bitterness. And sometimes I'm this. And sometimes I'm that. I'm the worst sinner of us all here. So just get behind me. And yet God chose to use regular broken, pathetic people who just can't seem to get their act together. He's chosen you. The church is unstoppable, not because it's led by these elite religious people. The church is not unstoppable because the, the people in the church know everything about the Bible or everything about Scripture or everything about the church. The church is unstoppable because the people who are regular just chose to be broken and humble themselves before the Lord and say, okay, God, I want you to get on my back. I want you to fill me with your spirit. I want you to fill me with your power. I want to be used by you, God, for your kingdom. And you begin to use your life in a way that you never thought possible. The church of Jesus Christ is for everybody. The church of Jesus Christ is only about Jesus. And the church of Jesus Christ is built on regular broken people just like you. I want to read a couple of verses as we end our time here together. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31. Look at this. Take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best <laughs> among you. Not many influential, not many from high society families. It isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses, chose the nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Everything we have, right thinking, right living, clean slate, fresh start, comes from God by the way of Jesus Christ. That's why we have this saying, if you're going to blow a horn, blow a trumpet for God. Look at this verse in Matthew 6, and we'll end our time together. 
Matthew 5, verse 13. I'm sorry. This is Jesus talking. He's talking to his disciples, and he says this. Let me tell you why you are here. Okay, disciples. Okay, followers of Jesus. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it, Jesus says. You're here to be light. Look at this. Bringing out the God colors in this world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. The thing that makes the church unstoppable is that he wants to fill you with his power so that you can reach your neighbors, so that you can reach your your family members, so that you can reach people who are far from God. But you first have to have an experience with Jesus yourself. You have to accept Christ into your life. You have to prioritize Jesus in your life. You have to say, Jesus, you're the focal point. Jesus, you're the center. Jesus, you're everything. I want to submit my marriage to you and my relationships to you and my finances to you and my endeavors to you and my future to you. God, I want to give it all to you. Come on, would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet this morning? As you do, would you just shut your eyes? I want to pray. Come on, every eye closed in this place this morning. Come on, I want to pray. I'm so excited I get to do this for anyone in the room today or watching online that maybe does not have a personal relationship with Jesus. Come on, with every eye closed here today, you say, Ryan, I'm just here today and I want to accept Jesus into my heart, into my life. It's very simple. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you're saved. That means right now as I'm talking, all you have to do is make a personal decision in your heart that Jesus, I want to follow you and say it out loud. The Bible says right like that, you're saved. You'll spend an eternity with Christ and you'll live an abundant life right now with him. Come on, if you're here in the room and you're watching online and you'd like to accept Jesus Christ into your life, come on, I'm gonna pray a prayer with you and I want you to follow along with me. Father, I just pray right now, Jesus, that you would come into every person's life right now. Every person that doesn't know you, every person that doesn't understand you, every person here today that feels distant from you and far from you today, I pray, God, you would fill them right now. And as they stand here today, all they have to do, Lord, is say, I believe in my heart, Lord, and I confess today that Jesus, your Lord. Come on, you can do that right now. Just confess with your mouth and say these words, Jesus, your Lord, come into my life. And he will right away. And I just pray for those, God, who give their life to you today. Would you be with them? Would you guide them? Would you lead them? Would you direct them? Fill them with your strength and your power. And God, I also pray for those in the room who know you, God, who are in a relationship with you, whether close or far. I pray today that they would understand that, God, the local church is not just a place that we come and go to. The local church is a place that we have involvement in and engaged in the mission of Jesus Christ to reach as many people as we can for the kingdom of God. I pray today, Lord, they would know that it's for everybody. It's focused on you, Jesus, and that every person in this room has a place in the body of Christ, has a place in the house of God. They've got purpose. They've got value. And God, you're calling them to be a part of it. In your mighty name, we love you with all of our heart. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Come on, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.